Hey everyone, this is Christ Presbyterian Church in New Haven with CPC Podcasts, and you're listening to The Sunday Sermon. Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With a point of diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars, while their children remember their altars and their asherim. Beside every green tree and on the high hills, on the mountains in the open country. Your wealth and all your treasures I will give for spoil as the price of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. You shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave to you, and I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever." Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Like the partridge that gathers a brood that she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches, but not by justice. In the midst of his days, they will leave him, and at his end, he will be a fool. A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Our New Testament reading is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Therefore, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ." For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands 
by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you. I've been in this building many times, always down in the basement, though. And so, actually, first time in the sanctuary. I'm grateful for your welcome. Look forward to sharing more personally later. But for now, we're going to give our attention to this passage from the Bible in front of us in Colossians 2. We're going to be thinking about fullness, and it would be helpful if you can have that open in front of you, either in your program or in your Bible. And so we're going to start out light, just thinking about this common human desire and search for fullness. And so just picture the word in your mind, full. Perhaps you get an image of leaning back after Thanksgiving dinner. That's often how we think about fullness, this quality or a quantity of life that leaves someone feeling ready to burst. And so think of how we talk about it. We talk about bursting with pride, brimming with confidence, overcome with joy, full of purpose. And so in this way, I think fullness is often the great goal of humanity. And so you remember the Frank Sinatra song, I'm going to live until I die. He's going to dance, he's going to fly. He'll take a chance riding high. Before my number's up, I'm going to fill my cup, and I'm going to live, live, live until I die. And so if fullness is the great goal of humanity, then emptiness is the great failure. And so unfulfilled, lacking in love, joy, pride, confidence, and purpose. And how much of the human experience is dominated by those feelings, from the sense of not having quite enough to starving for more. And so how are you feeling? Are you like a shrub in the desert or like a tree bearing fruit? How did 2021 go for you in terms of fullness? I'm sure you've seen the memes as the new year came along. The, the classic how it started versus how it's going variety. You know how that one is. January 2021, your favorite actor looking sharp and polished in an extraordinary role. And as the months go by, they start to look haggard and beaten down. Or one of my favorites, you know, 2020 was the year of toilet paper. And so the picture has zeros in the place, or toilet rolls in the place of zeros. And the tagline is, how could it get any worse? And then the picture of 2021 is toilet paper again, except this time the roll is empty, and that's the one. And so as we head into a new year, there's no doubt that people are searching once again for fullness. 
And so we have good news this morning that God actually wants you to have a full life. God wants you to have a full life. But there's bad news that your experience of fullness that God has for you is under threat. You could miss out. You could have a full life stolen from you. But if you're a Christian, if you're with Christ, then you already have everything you need to fight for fullness. And so that's our goal this morning, is to help each other remember and to experience more of the fullness that God has for us in Jesus. And if you're not a Christian yet, I hope you'll consider the fullness of God. Consider the fullness of God and if it fits with what you're searching for. And so as we get into our passage, let's pray together and ask God to speak for, to us. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we can be in this place together to hear from your word. I pray that you would open our eyes to see marvelous things. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So we're after fullness, and we're really going to be seeing three things from Paul's letter here as he guides us toward the fullness God has for us. A fight, fullness, and being filled. And so first, a fight. That as Paul thinks about the full life of God, he wants us to stay in the fight. Actually, to fight to stay. You see, oftentimes we think of finding fullness as a chance to move on to bigger and better things. This was the problem of Pinocchio, of course. He thought he had to go somewhere to become a real boy, to spread his wings and move on. But in reality, of course, to stay at home was the way for Pinocchio to grow into a real boy. And it's the same way in the Christian life. When it comes to growing up in Christ, going nowhere is the way to go. It's about staying at home. That's where the good stuff is. And so in Christianity, the fight isn't to gain ground, but rather to stay grounded. Not to move on, but to stay unmoved. And so look again at our passage in verse 6. Paul begins, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And so our passage is beginning a new section in Paul's letter to the Colossians. You probably noticed the transition language, just as, so then, you received, so walk. And so Paul's transitioning from how he started his letter with thankfulness and joy for how God had already worked in these, in these Christians, in these young Christians. And so it was kind of the how it started meme for Paul. And so in Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, this is how Paul describes it. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So how did it start? Well, they heard the good news about Jesus, the gospel. They put their faith in him. They trusted him to deliver on this promised hope of heaven. And we'll see more about this good news later. But for now, just notice the simplicity of the start. They heard about Jesus, and they believed what they heard. And Paul says that's a reason for amazing thanks and joy. And so how is it going? Well, in a way, they're going nowhere. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Just as you started with Jesus, so now stay with him. And what does it look like? Well, staying isn't stagnation. Paul uses two active pictures to describe what it looks like to stay with Jesus. So look at verse 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. And so the two pictures, rooted like a tree, built like a house. You'll notice that they're both active pictures of strength and growth, but not moving on, instead moving up. 
They're both classic pictures from the Old Testament about what a full life with God would look like. It's what we read in our Old Testament reading in Jeremiah chapter 17, that the person who trusts in the Lord, that person would be like a tree planted by the water. It sends down its roots by the stream, and it does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. You see, there's the picture of fullness. Green leaves, full of fruit, despite hard circumstances in life. And I think that's what we're after. A full life, despite 2020, 2021, and even whatever 2022 brings. You see, the experience of finding fullness by trusting God is now found in the experience of trusting God's Son, Jesus. And so there's this fight on to find fullness. It's about staying put and growing up, not about moving on. But what's the alternative of staying with Christ? It's not sprouting your wings to fly, not teaching your legs to run, you know, the graduation speech. The alternative to staying with Christ is becoming a captive. Much like Pinocchio, not freedom, but a prison. Look in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. You see, there's a fight on to steal your fullness and to replace it with emptiness. You notice the Paul here, the enemy is unnamed. It could be anyone. See to it that no one takes you captive. It's how serious the fight is that it could be all around you and you wouldn't even know it. The battle is subtle, both an up-and-coming philosophy and an old human tradition. And so sometimes the fight of being a Christian is up front and in your face, but more often it's a fight like guerrilla warfare, a battle for the heart and mind. And so Paul, he doesn't want these young Christians to be oblivious or to be ambushed. He wants them to be engaged in the fight. And so in verse 8, he pulls the mass off and there's the true opponent, the attack to steal you from the fullness of Christ and replace it with what is shallow, deceitful, human instead of divine, ultimately an attack of the devil. That's almost certainly what Paul means by elemental spirits of the world, the basic demonic activity that drives the world apart from God. And so the devil is out to plunder your life, to steal it all away, to replace it with emptiness, to make you like a shrub in the desert. And if that doesn't get your attention, what will? You see, there's a fight going on for our very souls. But are we aware? Are we engaged to fight to stay? Paul says, mount up. See to it that no one takes you captive. Later on, we're going to see more of what this danger looks like, what these philosophies and empty deceit are. But first, Paul, he wants us to see Christ. If you read through the letter of Colossians, you'll find that Jesus is like the elephant in the room here. He's always there. People are always tempted to look elsewhere, but Paul always brings us back to Jesus. And so he says here, the fullness, we stick with Jesus because he gives us the fullness of God. And so we're in a fight to find fullness, and it's found here. Verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. You can see the logic. It's very simple. Stick with Jesus because he gives you fullness because he has the fullness. These abundant riches of Jesus is a constant theme in Paul's letter here. And so I don't know, I didn't see many Arby's up here in New Haven or in Connecticut for that matter, but you probably know the slogan, right? Arby's, we have the beef. 
And you know what they're trying to do, of course. They're trying to complete, compete with hamburgers. They want the line to stick in your head so that when you think, oh, I feel like some beef tonight, you think Arby's. My guess is they haven't been very successful. But in a more serious and a more sacred way, that's what Paul wants you to know about Jesus, that when it comes to the fullness of God, Jesus has it. He, Paul says that in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells. And it's kind of a strange way to describe it. I'm guessing it would have been strange for the Colossians as well. But Paul's basically saying that Jesus has all of God. And here's what the Colossians probably pictured when Paul said this, at least the Jewish ones. You see, in the Old Testament, the clearest and most visible um, expression of God's presence was seen on Mount Sinai in the Old Testament. God had rescued the Israelites from Egypt, and he brought them to the mountain to kind of establish the boundaries of their relationship with him, kind of a defining the relationship moment. And what they described was incredible, that the mountain was overtaken by the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God, the the lightning and the thunder and the smoke, so powerful that when Moses came down from just a backhand experience, his face was glowing. And the Israel's experience was that they wanted to be there, but they were scared. They wanted God to go with them, but they were scared to go away. You see, that was an all-of-God experience, an experience so great and so glorious that you would want more of it despite the risk that it could kill you. And here in Colossians, Paul is saying that Jesus has all of that. All of the godness of God. His character, power, eternity, the fullness of God dwelling bodily. And so just think for a minute how this compares to the empty philosophy and deceit. It must have been claims like there's something more out there. Something more to figure out. A new and better experience to discover. Something like Sinatra, the need to live, 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 filling your cup until you die. Always needing more, but never full. It's a tragic situation. Imagine a bright, sunny day. Unfortunately, we do have to imagine it more and more these days. I look forward to summer very much. I'm not a huge fan. I enjoy the winter, but the the cloudiness and the gloom really gets to me. And so imagine a bright, sunny day Imagine someone saying they wanted more light. Of course not. Of course not. They would have it all. And so why was it that people were being taken captive by this? Why was this attack effective? Well, my guess is that the message of Jesus must have seemed too simple. That when they thought about how it started and how it's going, it started well. Yes, they had received Jesus, but now mm, they just need a little more. Something more interesting, more cutting edge, more flashy. You see, they were in danger of being deceived, tricked, and trapped. Just think of that anglerfish, you know the one? Deep, deep down in the ocean, the anglerfish, with the glowing light above its head. And the glow of the light tempts the, the prey in. But you see, the glow of temptation is not always so sinister. Other times, it's more like the moon reflecting the light of the sun, beautiful, but not the true light. And so Paul, he wants to argue with these young Christians, where would you go when Jesus has it all? And so just think of your own experience with Jesus. Perhaps you've read about him in the gospel, you've heard the stories of him. Has there been anyone more powerful or influential than Jesus Christ? He did things no human being has ever done. He transformed people for good in ways that no other person or religion has done or been able to pull off since. 
And the testimony of Christians throughout the world in different cultures and different places is that he continues to do the same thing today. And although we might think of these things about Jesus, the miracles, what Jesus has achieved on earth through the testimony of Christians since then, Paul actually decides to highlight something different. I think this is an important dynamic. When we think of fullness, we often think of full bank accounts, full resumes, or even full homes. But can't you find many empty people who have all that and more? Perhaps that was you. Perhaps it is you. You see, looking for fullness in this way is like getting drawn away by the sinister tricks or the subtle reflections. But here in Colossians 2, the fullness that Jesus gives us is much richer or deeper. It's like a tree with deep, deep roots that stays green and fruitful even in a drought. And so there's a fight on to stay with Jesus who has the fullness of God because he wants to fill you. When we have received Jesus and therefore walk with him, we are filled. You know the expression, I got you. It's a very simple expression, I got you. There's a type of person that when they say, I got you, that's enough. That you trust them enough, their character, their ability to come through. That when you're in trouble or in need and they say, I got you, that's all you need. And that's how it is when we're with Jesus. Because Paul tells us that Jesus, he brings the fullness of God. And in verse 10, he brings all that fullness to us. In him, we get it all. I just want to highlight four areas of fullness as we see it come out in this passage. So first, fullness of acceptance. Look in verse 11. Paul says, In him, in Jesus, also you were circumcised, with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, admittedly, a circumcision is still kind of a weird thing, even if you've been around the Bible and the church for a while. But for this morning, I want you to think of circumcision as a picture of acceptance, a physical sign or a symbol that a person has been welcomed into God's family. Different now, you are in. And Paul says that's exactly what we have in Christ. A spiritual cutting away of the flesh. It's the way the Bible describes the part of us born in rebellion and separated from God. And so a spiritual surgery to cut that away so that now you have been brought in, accepted. It's no longer a need or a sign of what is to come, but a sign of what is here in full. And so full acceptance, fully known by God, but yet fully accepted. If you are in Christ, you are in. Not, to, not because what you have done or what you could do. This circumcision that's made not with hands, but it's made by Christ. Fully accepted. And so consider the alternative. The empty and deceitful counterfeit. It's lack of acceptance. Only kind of accepted. Temporary acceptance. Provisional acceptance. And so I work with high school students, and so they dread the wait list. You know, when you're applying for college, it's, hey, congratulations, you're accepted if there's room. If you improve your grades, if you prove yourself worthy and valuable, or maybe worse of all, maybe if other people don't show up. If you think God treats you or views you like that, then hear the good news. Stay with Jesus. You are fully in. If you think God views you or treats you like that, then you are in danger of being taken captive. The devil is trying to steal your fullness but he who is with you is stronger than him. Jesus says he's bound up that strong man. He's opened the prison doors. 
and so don't go back. Full acceptance. Second, fullness of life. In verse 12, Paul goes on, he says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made you alive together with him. And so Paul is using another picture here. He's using baptism as another sign and symbol, a sign of God's promise of connection and identification with Jesus. He says when you're with Jesus, you're so connected to him that God's power that was at work to raise Jesus to life is now at work in you. And so we're talking about spiritual life, dead in our sins, spiritually dead and separated from God, and now we're spiritually alive, back to true and real relationship with God. The connection through faith is so powerful that Paul says that sinful part of us is dead. The part of you that would separate you from God, it is dead, even as your sinful body continues to die. And even though our fallen bodies continue to die, this connection through faith is so powerful that Paul says we are physically alive as well. Just like the grave couldn't hold Jesus, so it will be for us. That's why the Bible talks about dying as falling asleep. Not because death is peaceful, but because it's not permanent. You see, in Christ we have fullness, fullness of life. And so think about the empty alternative. Anything else that would promise life to you but not quite come through. So physical fitness or athletic achievement, it falls short or just delays the inevitable. Relationships that promise to light up your life like nobody else, but at best are dim imitations, and at worst, life stealers. You see, there's a great danger of people trying to find our fullness in each other, even in family or a full house, always trying to get enough from others to feel full, always trying to do that for them. So you're looking for life in those things. Paul would say, see to it. The devil is after your fullness. But Jesus has filled you, and Paul wants you to stay there. Just think about Jesus' life, his death on the cross in our place, his time in the tomb, and then his resurrection. When Jesus bursts forth into new life and lives today in heaven, do you think there's any part of life that he's lacking? Do you think his life is only kind of there? You know the Princess Bride, like Wesley, mostly dead and then mostly alive? Better than dead, but not quite all the way there? Of course that's not the experience of Jesus. That's nonsense. That's empty, hollow, deceptive. Jesus has it all. He was dead, but is risen and is alive forevermore. And Paul says you are alive with him. Fullness of life. Third, we have fullness of pardon. Look at verse 13. that he has forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. See, I want you to feel ready to burst because Paul piles up the language of pardon here. He says that you have been forgiven. It's a relational release. I don't hold this against you. He says the debt has been canceled. It's a financial release. You don't have to pay it back. He says the charges have been set aside. It's a legal release. You're no longer accused. You see, what Jesus gives us is a full pardon. He forgave all of it, canceled all of it, set it all aside. And if you receive that from Jesus, where else would you go? 
Think about the empty alternatives. It's fine, but I'll hold it against you if it comes up again. I'll give you mercy, but you owe me. Or maybe you're as free from accusation as you are to achieve. You see, this must have been some of the vain philosophies and human traditions that were being offered to these people. Starting with Jesus, great, but don't you need to prove your way a little bit? Don't you need to gain some ground? Don't you need to show some growth? But Paul says, no, in Jesus you have the fullness of God and he gives you full acceptance, full life, full pardon. And finally, his last picture is a full victory. Look down at verse 15. He, Jesus, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And so Paul, he brings us full circle back to the fight. That there is a fight on to make us shallow and empty and behind every attempt is to is this attempt to take us captive, is the great enemy of our faith, the devil. But Paul here, he comes back to it and he says, but the victory is already done. There's no need for you to be taken captive. If we stay with Christ, we are filled. And it includes the benefits of full victory over the devil. Look at the the two great pictures of victory that Paul uses. He disarmed them. He disarmed them. So these, these things that would threaten, that would have weapons of war against us, Jesus disarmed them. And then he put them to open shame. So he marched them through the center of the city, open shame in public defeat. In the most surprising way, actually. By the apparent shame of the cross. It was the great switch where the devil thought he had won, but yet he was in open shame. And so what's the empty alternative? What's less than full victory? Well, feeling like the world is against you. Feeling like nothing can go right. Feeling like we've messed it all up so much that there's no hope. Taken captive by fear. Feel failure. Fear of not measuring up. Fear of falling short. You see, that's great captivity, a great deceit, and Paul would have none of it. He would have none of it. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Not moving on, but moving up. Rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith. A fight to stay. To say in Christ the fullness of God. Because in Christ we also are filled. And I think our world knows of this danger. We know of the critical danger of being full. Wanting to be full, but feeling so empty. There was a movie a couple years ago, A Star is Born, and there's a song in the movie. It's between a, a female and a male um, actor. And the movie's about great success, but also great addiction. Um, it's really tragic how those things often go together. That if you look around the world, whenever you find great success, you often find great burden, great addiction, great need. Never full enough to keep the emptiness at bay. This is how the song goes. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm falling. In all the good times, I find myself longing for change. And in the bad times, I fear myself. Tell me something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? I'm falling. In all the good times, I find myself longing for change. And in the bad times, I fear myself. I'm off the deep end. Watch as I dive in. I'll never meet the ground. 
crash through the surface where they can't hurt us. We're far from the shallow now. It's a haunting song because I think it really gets to the heart and the danger and deception of searching for fullness. And as is often the case, our world tends to find the questions much more easily than the answers. And so the questions are there that when it's going well, we feel like there must be more. And when it's going poorly, we fear ourselves. It must be me. So is there something else you're searching for? Yes. Do you need something deeper? Yes. But the tragedy of the song is it suggests this like cold, dark crashing into the abyss, going down where you can't be hurt. But the good news of Jesus is so strikingly the switch. It's actually being built up, built up towards the sun shining in fullness. And so going deeper in Jesus, putting those roots down so that we can grow up strong. And we go nowhere else, for in him is fullness of joy. And so as we come back to the beginning of the passage, at the end of verse 7, we end with a final picture of fullness. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. Over and above, in another translation, overflowing. You see, it's another picture of fullness, a surefire sign that you are being filled with the fullness of Christ is that in good times and in bad times, you overflow with thankfulness for what God has achieved for you in Jesus. What he has filled in you is so overwhelming that thankfulness overflows out. That's why later on, Paul talks not about filling his cup, but about pouring it out in service to God and to others. This is why this picture of the tree planted by streams of water becomes the tree where the nations take refuge. The house built upon the cornerstone of Jesus becomes the temple presence of God in the world. That when Christian people come together, filled in Him, the overflow of thankfulness is the song the world needs to hear. So let's pray that God will do that in our lives more this week. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe to CPC Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. If you liked this show, consider a five-star rating, share it with your friends, or write to us at podcast at cpcnewhaven.org.